from kindergarten through sixth grade would be dismissed for children's church. Grateful again for them. I invite you to open a Bible, if you have one, um, to the book of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Last week we started a series in which uh, we will be in for some time as we go verse by verse through the gospel of Matthew. There are 28 chapters, so it's going to take us a while, but uh, we want to journey through the life of Jesus from uh, the perspective of Matthew as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Last week we started in the genealogy of Jesus uh, to see that God has always been about blessing. From the time of Abraham through Jesus and to the end of the age, he is in the midst of being a blessing giver and of making all things that are wrong right. And uh, us joining in God's blessing mission as well. I invite you to follow along as I would read uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, uh, talking again about today, love wants to be with. Matthew writes, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be a child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we ask for the Lord to guide us this morning? Jesus, we, we thank you as we have reflected on the story of your birth, your coming, because love wants to be with you came. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit would say to us, that we would hear the word of God to us this morning. Lord, would you take us an account that may seem familiar and would you breathe fresh to us this morning? Jesus, the one who has come, would you encounter us afresh as we look into your word? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Steph and I, we dated uh, for about two years, and then we were engaged for 16 months before we were married. Now, a 16-month engagement may sound like a long and unwise engagement. It's a long time, but it was necessitated by the fact that we were apart for a large portion of it. 
Uh, for the last year of our engagement, I lived in Ohio during, doing an internship in a church uh, while for, for my seminary education while Steph was finishing college in Nyack, New York, at Nyack College outside of New York City. Three months of that time, she was in Ecuador doing student teaching for her teaching degree, so we were really apart for a long time during that. And then add into that the fact that the first summer of our dating relationship, I was in Germany playing baseball and coaching baseball as an opportunity to do missions overseas. And so when you add all those times together, a large part of our relationship was spent apart. It was hard. It was hard to be apart for so long. It was good for our relationship, but it was hard to be apart for so long because, as you'll see this morning, love, and as we heard this morning with the Advent candles, love wants to be with. You know, there's a, there's a longing, there's an emptiness when you're not with those that you love. And at the holidays, from Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, it seems that that just gets amplified when we are not with and when there is not presence with those that we love, whether it's due to distance, whether it's due to illness, or whether a loved one has passed away. Love wants to be with. And while we feel it in the lack side, it makes the time that we do get to spend with those that we love and friends that we have that much more special. But it also reminds us and makes us extra supernaturally aware of the birth of Jesus. And as we sang this morning and welcome this morning, the supernatural presence of Jesus. It's because of him. It's because of Jesus that we know love. And it's because of Jesus that we have this deep awareness of this truth that love wants to be with. His birth shows us that love wants to be with. And it's the reason why his birth and his coming was so needed. We'll see that this morning as we look at Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. So let's look together. But first, sermon notes are in your bulletin. You can fill in blanks. They're very simple this morning, but give you a space to write some notes. But before we jump into that, we read when we were about to have our children that something that was very important was to be able to share the birth story with our children or the adoption story with our children that they had because there's something about being early on, knowing my story, knowing where I came from, having that purpose. And so we shared lots of information with our kids as they were growing up. It was something that we wanted them to know. We wanted to know about the, them to know about the time leading up to their birth. We wanted them to know how their birth came or how their adoption story came. We wanted them to know why we chose their name. Each of our kids has a reason why we were, they were named the way they were named. And so we wanted them to have this identity, to have this understanding of who they were and of where they came from and of how it all came about. And I believe that's what one of the things that Matthew is trying to accomplish for us. We need to understand the birth of Jesus. 
So three things to know this morning about the birth of Jesus that will help us understand that love wants to be with. The first is that we would know very simply how the birth of Jesus came about. That's what Matthew starts in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. The first half of verse 18 says, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Mary and Joseph pledged to be married to one another. This idea of being pledged was an idea of betrothal that was very significant in the days of first century Israel. The Jewish people were very uh, focused on this idea of betrothal. It was more than engagement, but less than actual marriage. And what would happen is the parents of the, the two families would come together and the young man and the young woman would agree to come together as well. And there would be a ceremony where everyone would gather. Oftentimes the whole villages, whole towns would come together and they would recognize that there was a commitment being made that there was a covenant that was being enacted that this man and this woman were being pledged, that they were being betrothed to one another. They were going to become husband and wife, and it became a legal thing. The whole town understood that these two are getting married. They will be husband and wife, but something's going to happen first. What's going to happen is that husband-to-be, that bridegroom, is heads off to his parents house and he begins to prepare a place he begins to prepare the home he begins to add on to his mother and father's home because there will be a day when the father says to that son son it's time to go get your bride and in this year-long often period where he is preparing a place of preparing a place for his bride to come to be with him. She is preparing herself back at her home. And there's a day when the father says to his son, son, it's time to go and get your bride. She doesn't know. The family doesn't know. The son doesn't even know until the father says, son, the preparations have been made. It's time to go get your bride. And he goes. And there have been attendants for the bride-to-be who have been watching and waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. And when he comes, the virgins who have been attending the bride-to-be go out and meet him and escort him in. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. And when he comes in, there is the wedding ceremony. It's a beautiful picture. And it gives us understanding, too, when Jesus says in John 14, I am going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. There are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's a day when the bridegroom, Jesus, is going to hear from his Father, go get your bride, the church, and King Jesus will return. It's all this beautiful imagery. And so this is, this is a very significant commitment. This is more than just we're engaged and, you know, if things don't work out, we can just break the engagement off. It's none of that. This is they are committed to each other. The only thing that has not happened is this marriage ceremony and the consummation of the marriage. And so the second half of verse, 13, or verse 18 really throws a wrench in this whole thing. 
But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. If you keep a finger in Matthew chapter two, or Matthew chapter, chapter one and go to Luke chapter one, excuse me. We get the picture and we get the account that Luke gives of how all of this happened to Mary. I wanna read it for us. It may be likely familiar to you, but it helps us to get Mary's side because Matthew gives us Joseph's side. Luke chapter one, verse 26 says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Sound familiar? A descendant of David. This goes and helps us get context too for a whole genealogy that Matthew gives. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, for she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. In this betrothal period, the angel comes, the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary, and Jesus is conceived in the virgin's womb. Verse 19 goes on, but Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Due to this pregnancy, we're told Joseph, being a righteous man, decides to divorce her quietly. You can imagine for him, this would be some horrific news. He knows he's not the father. Which means if, they're, if this betrothed bride-to-be is pregnant, she's been with another man. And so legally, because of this legal betrothal period, because of this legal agreement that's been taking place, he has to, and he decides, I have to divorce her because a woman who would get pregnant 
before this betrothal period would be considered an adulteress and he is not going to marry an adulteress. He had every right to divorce her, but he doesn't do it where in that same way where everything was so public in that betrothal ceremony, in that betrothal legal thing where it was with the whole town. He doesn't haul her out into the middle of the town and say, look what she did. She's pregnant. No. Because he is a righteous man, he decides to do it quietly. He decides to keep her honor intact. Divorce was what was needed to break it. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace because he didn't know something. He didn't know, verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. After considering what to do, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. Now, Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 was doing his priestly duty and he was visited by an angel of the Lord who said you and your barren wife Elizabeth will have a child and his name is going to be John, John the Baptist. We are told that that angel of the Lord's name was Gabriel. Gabriel visits Mary to tell her this good news. We don't know for sure, but it seems very likely that the angel of the Lord that visits Joseph is very likely Gabriel as well. And he tells her the very same news in this dream vision that he had told Mary, that you do not need to be afraid. Take her as your wife because what is conceived of her is not from a human. It is from the Holy Spirit. And this child that she is carrying, he is going to save his people from their sins. Mary was innocent in all of this. And Joseph now understood it. And so it says in verses 24 to 25, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Think about this. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And in obedience to the vision from the angel gave him the name Jesus. Matthew tells us how the birth of Jesus came about. But he's not done yet because there are some other things that we need to know, not just about the birth, but we need to know also that God's love gave Jesus to save us. Verse 21 says again, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. The angel tells Joseph, Jesus is his name. Now Jesus, in Jesus' day, in Joseph and Mary's day, was a very common name. It comes from 
uh, the word Joshua and is the Greek form of the word and the name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So here is Jesus, just a normal everyday name, a Greek form of the name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. But it's much more than that. Because he was to be given this name for a reason. He was to be given the name Jesus because of what he would do. Because he would come to save his people from their sins. There's at least three ways. I want to just help us to see this morning for a few moments. At least three ways that Jesus would come to save his people from their sins. If you we keep a finger again in Matthew chapter 2 and turn to the book of Romans. So if you make your way back, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. To Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Jesus would save his people from their sins in at least three ways. And I want to give you three Ps this morning. First, he would save from the penalty. They would save the sins from the penalty of sin. Verse 23 of Romans 6. For the wages of sin is death. Goes on, the good news of it, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But Jesus came to save us from the penalty of our sin, the wages of our sin, what we deserve, what our paycheck is for the sins that we have committed is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God in a very real place called hell. Hell is not some fictitious thing. It's not some metaphorical thing. Hell is the ultimate form of separation and suffering from God. It is told about as a place of fire, as a place of gnashing of teeth, deep regret. It's told of a place where there is no light because only God is light. People who say, ah, I want to go to hell because all my buddies are going to be there. All my friends are going to be there. There will be nothing good about hell because everything that we know of that is good in this life is because God is there. All the good that we have. So everything of hell is the complete absence of God. There will be nothing good. It will be complete isolation, complete suffering because of the penalty of sin. But here's the good news. God sent Jesus to take our penalty for us. To go to the cross where all of our sin was laid upon him so that by his death, he would pay for that penalty. He would take the penalty, the penalty of death, the penalty of separation from God descending into hell for three days until he was raised back to life, overcoming death and hell and the grave. He came to save his people from the penalty of our sin. You see, God wants to be with. God, in his love, gave Jesus to save us because love wants to be with. Jesus came to save us from our sins, the penalty of our sin, but also to save us from the power, a second P, the power of our sin. If you're there in Romans 6, just look over to the next chapter to Romans 7, verses 14 
to 25, read what Paul says about struggling with the power of sin. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer my, I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature or in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do not do what I want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin who lives in me that it does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What? A wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? I'm so glad it doesn't stop there. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Anyone ever feel that? I'll be the first one to raise my hand. You feel that? What you want to do, what you know is right, you don't do. And what you don't want to do, what you know is wrong, that you end up doing. There is sometimes this power at work. There is this war within us. The war between the flesh and the war between the spirit that we don't always do what we want to do. Sin is not just a penalty that we get forgiven of and saved of. Sin is a power that lives still in our flesh that we need to be delivered from. So often we just stay at I'm legally forgiven. I'm legally not carrying the penalty against, and we live under the power of sin. Sin has its way in us. When was the last time that you found greater freedom from the power of sin? That something that was holding you down, that a habit that you knew, you're like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, but you just got worn out and tired, and you're like, okay, I do it. When was the last time you're like, I know I need to, I know I need to, I know I need to, but you're just like, I can't, I can't, I can't, and you end up not doing the thing that you know you need to do. And you sit there and you go, ah. And you sit like Paul, who we hold up, and you say, oh, I can identify with Paul. What a wretched man or woman I am. Who is going to save me from this body of death? There is good news today. Jesus is not just the one who saves us from the penalty of sin, he saves us from the power of sin. And more and more, we need to allow the Christ life of Jesus, him living in us. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. This is the ongoing becoming like Jesus, being saved increasingly by the one who came to save us.
Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and also, third P, the problems of sin. The problems of sin. If you were to read on in Romans chapter 8, it talks about how the creation groans. Things like famine and earthquakes and all of these things that we see as the brokenness of creation, hurricanes and tornadoes and all of these things. It was not the way, this is not the way it was intended to be. This is sin subjecting creation. And creation cries out, groans, Paul says in Romans 8, for its deliverance. And one day, King Jesus, when he comes, he will make even creation back to the way it was at the garden before sin came in. He came to save us from the problems in creation. He came to save us from the problems in relationships. Christmas, they say, is the most wonderful time of the year. They'll throw away all the stresses and all those things, but you also have family. And not everyone would say that Christmas gatherings with family or Christmas gatherings in the workplace or Christmas gatherings with people makes it the most wonderful time of the year. Sin comes in and causes friction in relationships, amen? But Jesus came so that where people are submitted to him, relationships can find peace. Forgiveness can be given. He came to save us from the problems of things like greed, when money begins to take hold of a person's heart and they want, and they do anything they can to get more, and even when they get more, they're not satisfied by that. The problems of sin that often lead to oppressing, using power to oppress people and cause injustice, and often will deal and cause poverty in various ways. All of these things are examples of the messed up brokenness of this world, and Jesus came Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the problems that sin has caused. Friends, the world needs a savior, and Jesus is the savior given to us by God. One of the most familiar verses in scripture is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Love wants to be with. And so God gave Jesus to save us. The last thing that Matthew wants us to know is that Jesus fulfills love being with. Jesus fulfills love being with. Verses 22 and 23 of Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew, as we will see as we journey through, links so many prophecies 
of scripture to Jesus, and Jesus being the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Matthew tells us that all of this took place to fulfill what was written in Isaiah 7, 14, that unto you a child will be born. And you will give him the name Emmanuel, God with us. This was a prophecy that was given to King Ahaz in his day as military leaders came around, as armies came around him. It was a prophecy for him to be convinced to trust the Lord for deliverance. Ultimately, Ahaz did not. He went and tried to figure it out on his own and the people were carried off to captivity eventually. But it was a prophecy that was still fulfilled in Jesus' day. There was a woman that, was, that had a child, scholars believe, they named him Emmanuel, which meant God with us. That if Ahaz would have just listened to the prophecy given to him, Israel could have been saved. But as with many prophecies, there are distant fulfillments as well. And Matthew says that the birth of Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of Emmanuel, which means God with us tells us something about Jesus, doesn't it? It tells us that Jesus was not just an ordinary child. It tells us that Jesus, the mystery of the incarnation, God coming was both fully God and fully man. Emmanuel, God in the form of Jesus with us. Isabel read for us, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's desire to always be with us. From the Garden of Eden, it's been his desire that God would be with man and man with God through his presence dwelling with Israel in the temple, God being with man and man with God. From the coming of Jesus, God being with man and man being with God. From the ascension to G of Jesus into heaven and the sending of the Spirit at Pentecost, God being with and in his people and us being with God. To the day when King Jesus comes back, the bridegroom coming for his groom to take, he, to take us to be with him forever so that the picture of Revelation 21 where there will be no more sickness and pain, no more separation, no more times when we will say, we want to be with and that person isn't here, those people aren't here. Most of all, God will be with us. He will be our God and we will be with his people. And those who have trusted Christ, we will gather together and love will always be with forever and ever and ever. It's the good news of the gospel, but it has come in part through the coming of Christ and the sending of his spirit. Love wants to be with. We needed a savior so that it could take place, and Jesus is his name. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. And this is why the birth of Christ came about, so that God would send Jesus to save us, and to be the fulfillment of his promises of being with us. Because love wants to be with. 
before we sing a closing song, the poem that was read this morning, hear it again in video form. <laughs> but may it bring a place of rejoicing in our hearts this morning. That love has come and that love wants to be with. It sent a savior, his name is Jesus, so that we would be with him now and forever. Love wants to be with. Love wants to be with. Love needs to be near. Love can't stay away. Love has to be here. Love comes close. Love holds tight. Love moves over. Love sits beside. Love pours out, and love leans in. Love goes first, love tries again. Love leaps over hurdles, love jumps through hoops. Love stays despite struggles, love still chooses you. Love looks for the lonely, Love lives on the margins. Love crosses all boundaries. Love seeks the forgotten. Love becomes flesh. Love moves in. Love is here. Love dwells among. Love is within us, close by us, around us, beside us. The very definition of love is with. Near enough to touch. His presence here to dwell. God with us. Our Emmanuel. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the birth of Jesus. He is the reason that we celebrate this Advent Christmas season. We thank you that you sent a Savior. His name is Christ the Lord. We thank you that he is the fulfillment of Emmanuel, God with us. Encourage our hearts today. Jesus, would you meet us this week, this day, this moment, in the places that we need your love to be with us. I pray especially, Father, for those who are feeling the pain of loss, who are feeling the pain of separation, who are feeling the pain and the longing of not having love being with in a human relational way. 
Jesus, you are the comforter. You, the one by your spirit, would you come and would you pour out love into hearts, into souls? You, the one who is always with us, would your presence stabilize? Would your presence encourage? Would your presence comfort? Would your love settle even the deepest place of sorrow, the deepest place of longing, especially this Advent Christmas time. And Jesus, we thank you that there is a day coming when you are coming for your bride and love will be experienced with you forever and ever with no end. God, we pray this Christmas season with those living across the street, those in our families, those in our city, those to the ends of the earth who do not yet know the good news that love has come in the person of Jesus, that a savior has been born, that he is the answer to the penalty and to the power and to the problems of sin. Jesus, would you use us this season especially to be the presence of Jesus and to share the good news of Jesus as you give opportunities. So Father, we receive the love this morning that only Jesus can give. Would you use us to share that love with those who have not yet encountered? Because Father, we do believe and acknowledge this morning that your love wants to be with. And we thank you that you are with us. You are Jesus, our Emmanuel. In your name we pray, Jesus.